Bible College, that would be a good thing. I've done some teaching for them over the years. It's a great school, and uh, Kitsap County really, really needs that, that Bible College. And uh, uh, if you uh, would open your Bibles to Colossians chapter 3, we're going to pick it up at verse 18. Colossians chapter 3 and verse 18. Colossians 3, verse 18, and uh, let's go to the Lord in a word of prayer. Father, in Jesus' precious name, we thank you, Lord, for, uh, for Shepherd's Bible College, and we pray that you would cause it to grow and to multiply and to just increase its impact, not only in, in Kitsap County, but throughout the state, throughout the country, and throughout the world, by training men and women for, for Christian ministry. So the gospel can be proclaimed and people can be discipled. The lost could be led to Christ and, and um, there could be shepherds to help them grow in their faith. Um, we just pray that you give Stan the, the strength that he needs and the wisdom that he needs uh, to guide Shepherds Bible College into the future so it can be pleasing in your sight. And we pray, Lord, as we study this passage today, I, I thank you that there still is a remnant in Kitsap County, not just in this church, but in other Bible-believing, Bible-preaching churches that take your word seriously and don't fall for the fake news of the world. And so the people that are here today, Lord, they came to hear your word preached. They did not come here to listen to the faulty wisdom of man, the philosophy, the anti-Christian philosophy of man that Paul speaks out against in the book of Colossians. And so I pray, Lord, that you would anoint me with your spirit, fill me with your spirit, cancel the man, so that I would proclaim your truth and that I would not lead anyone astray. I pray that you give us all the courage to test everything, even what they hear from this pulpit, to test all things with your word and to hold fast that which passed the test, but to reject that which contradicts your word. Open hearts and minds to receive truth from your word. Empower us by your spirit to apply these truths and to obey your word from the heart, not just outwardly, but from the heart, so that we'd be pleasing in your sight um, by the power of the Holy Spirit and for your glory. In Jesus' precious name we pray, amen. You know, when I started in ministry back in 1988, a little over... Uh, 34 years ago, um, I used to classify churches as either liberal churches or Bible-believing churches. And, uh, and of course, we wanted to be a Bible-believing church. But as I studied, the liberal churches, they don't really believe Jesus is God. They don't really believe Jesus rose from the dead. They don't believe salvation is solely through faith in Jesus by God's grace. They believe like all religions lead to God and nobody's going to hell. Everybody's eventually going to be saved. You got like the Unitarian Universalist Church on Prairie Avenue. That's a liberal church. They don't really believe. Um, uh, there's a Methodist church uh, by Brownsville uh, Elementary School. They don't really believe. It's a New Age church. So, you know, you get some churches that really believe and some churches that don't believe. Well, the liberal churches don't believe. Then you got the Bible-believing churches. But I found out a lot of the Bible-believing churches have an outstanding statement of faith, but you're never going to hear any of that from the pulpit. 
And a lot of the sermons from Bible-believing churches are really baptized, Christianized self-help. Just make you feel good. We don't want to convict you of your sin. We want you to be happy. We don't want to offend anybody, so hopefully you'll come back. And in an attempt to find common ground with the world, many of these Bible-believing churches are becoming the world. And we've got some of those in this community. Great statement of faith, but they're baptizing transgender people, and, and uh, it's like, what in the world is this? And then they look down upon churches like Trinity Bible Fellowship. You're still one of those old-fashioned, outdated, antiquated churches. Let me tell you, you know, if you go to a church and they try to make God relevant, you're in the wrong church. Because if it's a true biblical church preaching the true God, we believe God is omni-relevant. God is so relevant, and if he stopped willing you to exist, you would cease to exist right now. So he didn't just give us our beginning. He gives us every breath we take. So you can't be more relevant than God. Okay? So you got the... So then I thought, okay, there's three types of churches. The liberal churches that don't really believe. The Bible-believing churches where the pastors don't have the courage to preach the Bible. They preach uh, whitewashed, watered-down Christianity so not to offend non-believers. And they try to lead people to Christ, but they never just get around to the disciple in them because they don't want to preach the Bible. And so I said, well, we want to be a Bible-believing, Bible-preaching church. And so that's when I realized there was a third type. But what I didn't understand was that we had, we've had people visiting us, and it's not usually it's not the primary reason to come out to Bremerton, Washington, um, but if they came and visited Seattle, they'd come swing by the church because they listened to our, our sermons online and stuff. We had two guys, I think, Matt, you remember the two guys from Australia. They planned a, a trip to, to travel all along the, the northern United States and Canada, but they flew into Seattle so they can come to a church service, go for a couple weeks on this long trek, and then come back for one more church service before they went back. And, uh, and I started wondering, why are, why are people coming and visiting? And then I found out there's a lot of Bible-believing, Bible-preaching churches that have kind of surrendered that prophetic voice. And what I'm getting at, and I'm not talking about Isaiah the prophet predicting the future, but I'm talking about Isaiah the prophet proclaiming God's truth, prophesying that judgment is coming if the people don't repent. Okay? And... Uh, and so when we're going to look at this, you know, Paul's going to talk about here the family renewed in Christ, what that would look like. Not just the new man putting on a new love, but what would a new family look like if everybody in the family is a believer? What should that family look like? And then the work relationships. What should that look like? So a lot of us might, might sit there and think, well, this is just real practical stuff, and this is a practical portion of this, um, of Paul's letter, uh, but the fact of the matter, we've got to remind ourselves, not just what does God's word say a family should look like that pleases him, but we've got to bounce that off of what the world says a family looks like. I mean, you've got, you got people right now... Uh, that are showing up at board meetings, 
school board meetings and they're upset because the teachers are teaching little Johnny that if he wants, he should become little Sally and it doesn't matter what his parents think. And they want to teach him critical race theory where you judge people by the color of their, their skin rather than acknowledging we're all created by God, we're all fallen, we're all in need of salvation, and Jesus died for us all. Um, and so parents get mad, so they complain at uh, parent-teacher meetings and, and uh, uh, these meetings with the school board, school board meetings, and so now we have... Uh, the FBI and other secret service on a federal level declaring parents like that to be domestic terrorists. So the world says that if you think you know what's best for your kids and the state doesn't, and it's none of the state's business, then you're a domestic terrorist. That's, that's, that's not what God's word teaches. That is not at all what the word of God teaches. And so we're going to tell you, God instituted marriage. He instituted the family. He also instituted the government. And let me tell the government leaders right now, okay? Stay in your lane, bro. Stay in your lane. I'm sure there's Christian brothers and Christian pastors that say, Pastor Fernandez talks too much about politics. No, I'm preaching the same word of God that I've been preaching for the past 34 years. Okay? It's not my problem. It's not my fault that the government and politics decided it wants to deify itself, play God, and now they're going to tell us what is right and what is wrong, what a family should be like what your work relationship should be like, and straight on down the line. No, let God be true and every man a liar. Amen. Now, we got some trying times here. Yeah, this sermon will be preached, and Pat will do a lot of hard work, and he's going to get that out online. It's going to get on KGNW and, and another AM station. So we're not hiding anything. We've got to understand, like, Christian pastors need to stand up and say, if the state is saying this about the family, and that contradicts the word of God, then the state is wrong, and we need to tell the people. We need to tell our people. Now, let me say this. Um, this, you know, I, I pray that God gets me out of the way and anoints me to proclaim his truth, because I'm a fallible man, okay? And Pastor John, fallible man. Willis, Pat, fallible men. We have nothing but fallible men and fallible women in this church, okay? But we serve an infallible God. But keep in mind, if more and more pastors don't speak out against what's going on, the government is going to eventually... I mean, look, if they could do what they did to a former president with that raid, you think they can't do it to a local church pastor? So just remember, this is your final authority, the Word of God, Okay? There's a saying in, in football and in the military, next man up. Okay? So if the day comes and they start locking up preachers of the word, don't worry. We've got a long line of guys that can step in and fill the gap. And Trinity Bible Fellowship will continue to do what God's called us to do. But uh, 
I think the, you know, federal government hired 87,000 or he's going to hire 87,000 new IRS agents and arm them uh, for a reason. Okay? But let the church be the church. We, we are not a liberal church. If you came here looking for a liberal church that doesn't believe that King Jesus is God, the Son become a man who died on the cross for our sins and rose from the dead, you're in the wrong church today. We're not a liberal church. But we're more than a Bible-believing church. We're a Bible-believing, Bible-preaching church. And we're more than that. We're gonna, God has given us a prophetic voice. If the church, if the local church doesn't proclaim the word of God, who's going to do it? We're going to wait for the local atheist society to do it. Okay? We're God's people. We've got to proclaim God's truth. If the government doesn't like it, it's because they're not staying in their lane. Okay? And, um, and so basically, so now we're going to be talking about the family renewed in Christ. Now, you know, Paul was telling the Colossians, look, you got this faulty, fake news, false philosophy of man that's anti-Christian. You've got to reject that. Don't ever accept the demotion of Jesus. Okay? He created everything, the, the visible and the invisible. Only the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are eternal. Everything else was created by him, both the visible and the invisible. So don't accept the demotion of King Jesus. Okay? King Jesus will not share his glory with another. And so because Jesus is God, creator, sustainer, redeemer, the head of the church, the ruler over all creation, we're complete in Christ. He's our wisdom. Don't fall for the false wisdom of man. And set your minds on heavenly things. Okay? We're going to lose a lot of our earthly goodies in the near future. Okay? And I, I actually, I, I feel more sorry than I do for myself. I feel more sorry for people who have been such good, faithful stewards with their money and have invested their money in, in real estate and retirement plans and things like that. I'm telling you, the government could just walk in and just take it all away. It could take the, you know, it could just say, hey, we're just going to wipe out all these people's student loans because we need their votes. And we'll, we're going to take everybody else's money and use it. I mean, the government could just do whatever it wants. It, the government feels like they own your family, they own your kids, they own your money. God did not institute human government to be your God. Okay? I don't know if you noticed, but the triune God is never going to retire. The triune God will never need a successor. And so I wish we could just tell Klaus Schwab and Bill Gates and George Soros, stop applying for the position. Okay? Jesus of Nazareth is doing fine. You try to take his throne. You know, the old expression back in Jersey, you, you mess with the bull, you get the horns. You mess with King Jesus, you're going down. And so we got to try. This is not the time to be quiet. Yes, it, it's a time where you can get in trouble. You can get more in trouble for preaching Jesus now than any other time in American history. At the same time, this is not the time to be quiet. This is the time to be very, very loud. Lead as many people as you can to Christ. Get them into a Bible-believing, Bible-preaching church that has a prophetic voice. Get them discipled uh, because the time is short.
Okay? And uh, so Paul says, look, set your mind on the heavenly things. We're going to lose a lot of our toys. So be it. The only thing they can't take from you is, is King Jesus. And in the end, the only thing that you need is King Jesus. And so Paul says, put to death your sinful desires. Put on the new man. Put on love. Okay? So we trust in Jesus. We don't fall for the lies of Satan and the lies of the world. We put on the new man. We put on love. Well, guess what? The new man will produce new families and new relationships with others. We repeat that. The new man, you know, the old, the old Phil Fernandez, I can bring him back every now and then, but as far as God's concerned, that man's dead. So if I want to take that dead dog for a walk around a block, drag him on a chain, I'm free to do so. But that's just being stupid. Any time you bring back the old man or the old woman, you're being stupid, okay? You're being disobedient. You're being sinful. Paul says, look, the old you is dead. The new you is alive. Now start acting that way. If you met Jesus, he changed your life. Now act like he changed your life. Act like Jesus makes a change. You know, we talk, if you're going to be all sinful and cruddy, and you're trying to lead a non-believer to Christ, the non-believer is looking at you so it's like, man, you got nothing to offer me. You're just as cruddy as I am. Okay? And uh, that's why, you know, churches, we need to be united. If a non-believer walks in, he sees us fighting each other, you know what he's going to say? I get way better fights than this in a local bar. These people aren't even good at fighting. But if they see unity and love in our church... If they see the new man fellowshipping with another new man, and they say, hey, this is something I'm missing. This is something I can't get from the local bar. The new man will produce new families and new relationships with others. And so Paul, starting at verse 18, Colossians 3, verse 18. Now remember, the first two chapters were doctrine, Bible teaching. you got to get the right beliefs before you get to the right behavior. A lot of liberal churches, they try to get to right behavior, do the right things, okay, without the right beliefs. Now they don't even have the right behavior. They start out, we don't really believe Jesus is Savior and the only way to be saved, but we think it's, it would be good to love others and treat others well. And they start going by the liberal church. used to go by biblical morality, even though they rejected Bible doctrine, Bible teachings. But eventually, the world's, the church's morality looks an awful lot like the world's immorality. And so now, the Unitarian Universalist Church there on Prairie Avenue, uh, you know, when I, when I used to stand up for Christian rights at the Kitsap County Human Rights Council meetings in the 1990s, they used to write letters to the editor the extreme political left, the kind of they were they were the neo Marxists before, you know, twenty years ahead of uh, of it becoming famous uh, and uh, common on a national level. But they were writing letters to the editor, calling me a terrorist, calling me a hate monger, all sorts of bad names. And I, I used to wish, I used to hope and wish that people would just see it's the same five or six people taking turns. So it's not thirty five people that hate Phil Fernandez's guts. It's the same five or six people. Uh, several of them are homosexual activists and 
when I used to take debates on, you know, against gay marriage and stuff, we used to have security. Kitsap County Sheriff Department brought an armed officer because of all the death threats we were receiving and stuff. And as I was hoping, people would see that it's just that, 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 that one little group. But we're going to preach the Word of God, and God wants us to have not only uh, us to be new men and new women, but wants us to have new families as well. Now, if, you, if you're coming here today, and you tell me, well, I believe, but my spouse doesn't, okay? Well, well, we'll pray for you, and you need to pray. You need to seek God's wisdom, but it's going to be a lot tougher. It's a lot better when both mommy and daddy love Jesus. And then it's a lot easier uh, to make the little guys and the little gals love Jesus, too, Okay? Uh, but hopefully the new man will produce new families and new relationships with others. And so that starts with verse 18. Very politically incorrect passage. Wives, submit to your own husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Okay? Based on that statement alone, your, your, your pastor, just reading that from the pulpit, is a narrow-minded, male chauvinist, pig, bigot. Okay? That's... That's the way our culture views it, okay? It, you know, we need thicker skin, okay? When Paul and the apostles preached the gospel, everybody who else was pagan, they called them names. And now all of a sudden we think, oh, I'm a poor puppy because people call me names now. Well, we, just, we had it good in America for so long. Were, were Christian teachings. Yeah, we had issues. We had bad issues like, like slavery, but it was the Christian consensus in America that fought that and overthrew it. And um, but we've had it so good where you can be a Christian and get a good job. You can be a Christian and be popular. Okay? Now, if you're going to be a Christian and an outspoken Christian, you're going to catch ridicule. You might even lose your job, okay? And um, um, you might lose your friends. You might lose relatives. You might lose your freedom. You might even lose your life, okay? Believe me, we have hundreds of people in prison right now who really didn't break any law. Or the laws they broke weren't enough to put them in prison. And they're being mistreated, okay? I can't take the whole sermon to give you the documentation on it. Um, but believe me, and, and, and we have a lot of violent criminals walking the streets. And if they beat up or kill somebody today in some, some cities, uh, they're going to get out without bail tonight. And um, so, um, but if God's word says, wives, submit to your own husbands as is fitting in the Lord, I'm going to preach that. That the man is to be the head of the household. Let me tell you this, I, you know, obviously I'm not a lady, um, but I don't think this is too difficult a command for ladies if they're not married yet. See, if a lady's not married yet, then I say, I tell them, if you cannot submit to a man, okay, other than Jesus, then don't get married. But if you do feel led to get married, Make sure you find a guy who's a good, gentle leader, and he wants to lead you aggressively 
in the same direction you already want to go. So wife submitting to her husband, if there's enough unity there, that's not, that's not a difficult command. Problem is, if you marry a guy just because you think, oh, this guy's a good-looking guy. Well, he's a good-looking guy now in his 20s. Wait till he's in his 40s. But um, if you're going to just marry the guy for his looks or whatever, or maybe for his money, who knows, um, but not because of where he is spiritually with the Lord. Uh, and, and by the way, you can have some real godly guys that are just authoritarian leaders. And, you know, I wouldn't, if I were a lady, I wouldn't want to marry that. But, um, but once you say, I do, that's the leader you're supposed to follow. Now, keep in mind, a wife's submission to her husband does not override the wife's submission to God. Okay? Let me tell you, if a lady marries a husband and he's such a jerk, he's always yelling, I got to wash the dishes, you got to cook me food, you got to do this and that, and he does white glove inspections, the guy's a real jerk, you know what the lady's supposed to do? Submit. Even if your husband is a jerk, you're supposed to submit. Now, if your husband says, next door neighbor plays his music too loud, I want you to go over there and shoot him. No. I must obey God rather than men. Okay? If the, the wife, the husband tells the wife, um, uh, I don't like this Jesus thing. He's coming in between me and you. I want you to stop going to church and stop bringing our kids to church. Then I would tell the lady, really pray, but you're going to have to have some civil disobedience there. And uh, you might have to worship in secret as if you lived in red China. But um, you might have to, but, you, but God's still calling you to assemble. And um, so, um, but ladies, please, if you're single out there, find a godly man who wants to lead you in a direction you already want to go and you like his, his leadership style. It's a gentle leadership style, okay? Submission, by the way, does not mean obedience, Okay? Wives submitting to their husbands, that's like a three-star general having a disagreement with a four-star general. They can talk things over, but in the end, the four-star general makes a decision, and the three-star general submits. The word for obedience, for the children obeying their parents, that's more like a private in their relationship with a general. The general says that you do it, period. Okay? Now, keep in mind, our submission and our obedience to God outweighs um, a wife's submission to her husband. Uh, but, 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 ladies, please do not say, um, I'll submit to my husband only if he loves me as Christ loved the church, because that's an easy out. There's no, there has never been a guy who's actually fully obeyed that command to love his wife as Christ loves the church. Let's face it, guys, let's face it, guys, we can't compete with Jesus. So we, we try our best through the power of the Holy Spirit, but there's still too much Phil Fernandez that gets in the way. So it's my lifelong goal to love my wife as Christ loves the church. But, but ladies, don't look for like little loopholes and say, well, I'll submit to him when he loves me as Christ loves the church. Well, that gives you a green light to never submit. Okay, um, 
Or I'll submit to him, my husband, when he's more Christ-like. Peter tells us in one of his letters that when a believing wife submits to her non-believing husband, who knows, that might end up leading him to Christ. So, so Peter's even encouraging a, a believing wife to submit to her non-believing husband. And um, so, and let me tell you, I have counseled ladies that I thought were biblically squared away. And I thought she should be the head of the household. And the guy doesn't feel like working, wants the wife to work so she can pay for his dope, wants to smoke some dope and uh, get drunk or whatever. And I'm like, I got to tell her to submit to him? You know? Um, we were counseling one couple. I had a guy trying to threaten me on the phone um, because his wife, she left the home because he was abusive and all, but uh, the wife went to the mailbox and got the welfare check before he could get it. And he told me, I only want uh, what I'm owed, what's owed me. And... Uh, I told him, I said, dude, you didn't earn that welfare check. Taxpayers like me paid for it. Then I'd rather see it in her hands than your hands, so you're not getting any help here. Okay? And, um, but, you know, there's times when I said, God's word says one thing, my mind says something else. As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. We're going to obey the word. And I got to tell this godly lady, try through the grace of God, through the power of God, to submit to this guy. Yeah, he may ask you to do things that contradict God's commands for all believers and then you got to submit to God not to him but but you try to try to submit uh, that is not popular uh, by the way equal rights the equal rights movement for women was founded by Bible believing Christian ladies in the late 1800s early 1900s and uh, um, and women are equal heirs of salvation but we have different roles to play. And some of those different roles are in the household. Okay? And if God said it, we go by it. And by the way, you know, we don't have time to get into it here. It's mentioned in other passages. Um, uh, but the lady's primary uh, obligation is the raising of the children. Now, that does not mean the lady can't work. Proverbs talks about a lady that sells real estate on the side, but, but the primary obligation is raising the children. You can delegate that, but delegate it to like-minded, believing relatives or a Christian daycare or a Christian school or whatever. Why in the world? Do you, you think Jesus encouraged the apostles, make sure you put your kids in a good Roman pagan government school? No. The kids were homeschooled, and they were trained in the Jewish synagogues back then. It was 1987, I wrote a small booklet, Decay of a Nation, the Need for National Revival. In 1987, a year before I started the church, I was calling for Christian parents, pull your kids out of the public schools. By the way, if you're a Christian and you work in the public schools, I don't want you to leave. I want some secret agents. I want some foreign missionaries in stealth and stuff. But if you, can, if you can homeschool your kids, if you can afford Christian education, find an alternative. Even Jordan Peterson, who's not a Christian, knows the public schools are so bad. When he talked about what he thought should happen 
Tucker Carlson was interviewing him, he said, but then, the, but then public education would die. And um, Jordan Peterson said, and that would be a good thing. Okay, so that's how, if you're not teaching truth, I don't care what you're teaching. If it's not the truth, kid be better off not getting that education. You know, we've got to teach our kids read and write. We've got to teach them arithmetic, but we've got to bring them up in the discipline and instruction uh, of the Lord. And um, uh, I used to have arguments with guys who said, well, I send my kid to public school to be a missionary to the unsaved kids. Look, it's not your job to dispense missionaries to the public schools. It's your job to send your kid to a good, solid school to get educated. And if you can't find one, homeschool them yourself. The kids go to school to get an education, uh, not to be foreign missionaries. Okay? And, um, but wives submit to your husbands. This is fitting in the Lord. The husband is to, is to be the gentle leader of his home. The wife is to respect his leadership. Um, ladies, marry good and gentle leaders. If you married a guy and he's not the, not the greatest leader in the world, well, he's, he's your guy. And um, try to find the, the good in him and pray for him. Um, uh, but he's your guy. He's the leader you chose. And... Um, and this goes against everything. Now, the, the Women's Live movement was started, the Equal Rights Movement, was actually started by Bible-believing Christians, just like the Abolitionist Movement, Abolition of Slavery, was founded by Bible-believing Christians. But the Women's Live Movement was, was hijacked by socialists and communists and, fem, and radical feminists, um, uh, Wiccans, New Agers, um, lesbians... Uh, I mean, that's why the, the movement is in such disarray right now. In fact, you know, I don't think anti-Christians really start anything, to be honest with you. It's like, oh, like Harvard, Yale, Princeton, University of Washington. They're all started by Bible-believing Christians. So it's kind of like the atheists don't start anything. They just hijack something started by Christians. They just take it over. And they've done it with our, our school system um, as well. And uh, now verse 19, husbands love your wives and do not be bitter toward them. And uh, the husband is to love his wife. In Ephesians, look at Ephesians 5. We preached on that a few months ago, maybe a year ago. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25. Paul gives, gives more instructions here goes into more depth. Verse 25, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her. So how much are you supposed to love your wife? As much as Jesus loves the church. Good luck, guys. Um, you know, um, I will say this. I have met ladies, Christian ladies, who genuinely submit to their husbands. But, and I'm not the first to say this, I have never met a Christian man who fully loves his wife as Christ loves the church. Okay? And, and don't, don't be that guy who comes to me and says, you know, you know my marriage is a, a mess. I don't know what to do. My wife won't submit to me. Okay? What, do you, what, do, what does a guy do if his wife doesn't submit to him? 
If you think she doesn't know the passages in the scriptures, because she's never heard them before, well, that's your fault. That means you haven't taken her to church enough to hear them. Okay? But if you think she hasn't heard them, you can read those verses to her. If she sees it right there in the Word of God and still rejects it, you know, she's got a free will. And so all you can do is pray for her. So what do you do if, if you're a godly man and the wife won't submit to the husband? What do you do? What, what does the guy do? So the guy says, I don't, my wife won't submit to me. What do I do? The Bible nowhere says husbands dominate your wives. Okay? But the Bible says husbands love your wives as Christ loved the church. So if a guy says, my wife won't submit to me, what do I do? Um, I tell him, you love your wife. Try to love your wife like Christ loves the church. That you do your job and pray for her. That she'll, she'll someday do, do her job. Ladies, if your husband's not loving you, not expressing love for you, um, it's your job to submit to him. Okay? And except when that submission leads to disobeying God. And, um, um, but nowhere does the Bible say, it is not the husband's job to dominate his wife. It's the husband's job to love his wife as Christ loved the church. And don't be bitter towards her. I cannot stand, Christian or non-Christian, I cannot stand being around a guy who hyper-critiques his wife, especially in public. You know, that's where I have to say, okay, Lord, forgive me because I'm having a hard time with your turn-the-other-cheek commands. That's a guy I feel like they ought to be smacked, you know? You don't get married to treat a lady created by God and redeemed by the Lord. You don't get married to treat a lady like trash. Okay? So you don't be bitter towards your wife. You encourage her. You praise her. You express love for her. Okay? Now let me say something about this husband-wife relationship here. Go back to Ephesians 5. This is one of the reasons... Maybe the main reason why it's so important that we not only have, once we're saved, the new man and the new woman, okay, that this is important why we have a new marriage, uh, a, a new family, okay? Probably the most important reason Paul talks about it in Ephesians 5, 31 and 32 Paul quotes from Genesis 2.24 and he says, For this reason a man shall leave his father and mother. By the way, I don't, I don't like hearing, as, as a pastor, don't tell me, well, my wife doesn't get along with my mother. So I think I need to get a divorce. I'm like, dude, you didn't walk down the aisle with your mother. Okay? It's time to cut the umbilical cord there. All right? You, you honor your parents. You respect them. You take care of them if need be. But if your wife and your mother don't get along, you said, I do to your wife. Okay? Tell your mother to zip it. Say, I honor you, I respect you, I'll take care of you. I'll even build a room in the house for you. But it's going to be a soundproof room. <laughs> if you keep complaining about my lady. You know, how many guys are there that would protect their wife from mean people except their mom. It's like, grow up, guys, okay? For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother 
and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. And then Paul says this, this is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Do you realize the number one, if you're married and you're a Christian, the number one testimony that you have before the world and even before other members of the church is your relationship to your spouse. If you spend a day or two with me and my wife, are you going to walk away saying, wow, Pastor Phil and his wife Kathy, their relationship, that's, that's like Christ and the church. Would you say that? I don't know. It depends on what day you visit us, you know. I'm hoping you would say that. But it's scary. You know, it's just like, you know, what, what about, you know, I, I'm a, a preacher. You can say, oh, I, I really, really don't want to misrepresent God's truth. I don't want to preach heresy. I want to preach God's truth. I don't want to lead people astray. Okay, well, it's good. Yeah, you don't want to get behind a pulpit unless you're really proclaiming God's truth. That's good. But just keep in mind, Pastor Phil... The first sermon you preach is the way you treat your bride. Okay? Marriage is a mystery. Marriage is a metaphor. It's symbolic for the relationship of Christ and the church. Ladies, don't say, I won't submit, I'll only submit to my husband when he gets it right, okay? Um, you know, husbands, don't say, I'm only going to love my wife if she's biblical. Look, when was the last time the church actually submitted to Christ? And he still loves us, okay? But we got to show, we got to show the world that Jesus saves some people out of the world and they become his bride. And they have this covenant love relationship. If we want to show the world than, than that, we want to preach that message, well, let's start with our marriage. I want to, you know, you, you could tell people Jesus loves you and then you treat your spouse bad. I don't think they're going to hear you. Okay? So let people see the reality of the Lord Jesus and the change he makes, not just by being the new man, but by having a new family. Don't be bitter towards your wife, husbands. Encourage her, praise her, and express your love for her because the relationship of a husband and his wife represents to the world and to the church the relationship between Christ and the church. Verse 20 of Colossians 3, children, obey your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing to the Lord. Okay? The state does not own your children. You're not a domestic terrorist for demanding that teachers teach your children what is true and what is good. Okay? And if they're not going to do it, uh, then I recommend you, you homeschool or if you can afford Christian schools, uh, but the state does not own your children. I'm telling you, this, this is the deification of the state. This is the worship of the state. We will now put untested 
medical technology, radical untested medical technology into our bodies just because the government tells us to do that. And um, we're acting as if we're trusting the government as if the government is God. Well, the state doesn't own your, your children. God's word says, children, obey your parents. Okay? So it's like the wife submitting to the husband is like a three-star general submitting to a four-star general. Okay? But a child, child is to obey. It's like a private obeying a general. Now, in Romans chapter 1, starting at verse 18, runs down through verse uh, 32, talks about kind of the stages of decay in human culture. You can look at individual cultures like America from that. But they start out knowing that God exists because God makes his existence and his power known to us. The invisible God through the visible creation. Okay? So what do we do? We suppress that truth. We don't like it. We're not grateful. Instead of thanking God for giving us all these gifts, we focus on the gift, not the gift giver. Okay? So we're ungrateful. We suppress the truth of the creator God existing. Then we profess to be wise and we speculate and we become fools. Eventually we bow down before statues of four-legged creatures and enter into idolatry and then into sexual immorality. And then we do all kinds of evil. Well, some of the evil, one of the evil things that is listed is that people end up being disobedient to parents. So a culture that rejects God equals a culture that will discourage children from obeying their parents. And you, you've had parents um, getting in trouble with the law because they don't want Johnny to have surgery and hormone treatment because Johnny thinks he ought to be Sally because that's what his public school teachers have told him. Okay? State doesn't own your kids. God, God, you know, be honest with you, God owns your kids. But he placed you as a steward uh, over, over your children. And so, uh, so the children are to obey their parents. Not to, not to, if the state disagrees with their parents, tell the state, stay in its own lane. And uh, when the children obey their parents, this pleases the Lord. You get, you get a generation of disobedient children... And believe me, your culture is toast. And, uh, and in verse 21, and we'll close with this, Fathers, do not provoke your children, lest they become discouraged. Okay? Uh, fathers, don't frustrate or provoke your children. Um, look, it's not your job to discourage your kids. Okay? Let me say this, so the other side of the coin is also true. It's also not your job to spoil your kids. Sometimes we spoil our kids, we give them everything that they could possibly want, and then they think the world's going to spoil me too. And they find out it's a cruel, fallen world. And they don't always get what they want. It's not our job to spoil them, but it's also not our job to frustrate them. How many dads are out there? Um, by the way, Mike's a baseball coach, and they had to leave... Uh, early, Mike's a baseball coach, and when I see him coaching Juan, nothing but encouragement. But there's a lot of dads 
who act like they never struck out when they played little league ball that demand that their kid never strikes out. And they belittle them in front of people and frustrate them. And the kid's trying so hard, okay? And, uh, and the dad's trying to live his life and the kids. That is that, it's that kind of thing that we're, we're told not to do. Don't, fathers, don't provoke your kids by setting the bar too high for them. My dad was really good at this because he, he would, uh, I would get straight A's. But if my sister Maria or my brother Mark got a B every now and then, he never got mad at them because he knew they were working hard, okay? Um, I did get to the point where my dad thought I wasn't working hard, just was automatic straight A's, but it wasn't. I worked hard for those A's. I wasn't the most brilliant kid around. But my dad knew if I worked hard, it's probably straight A's. If my other siblings worked hard, it's probably... You know, mostly A's and a few B's. My sister Elaine, if she worked hard, someday I'll tell you the story. Don't feel sorry for her. She's probably, she might be wealthier than the whole church combined for all I know. Uh, my dad knew she had a good business mind, but, you know, she could barely read and write. And um, so he knew if, if she just got D's, C minuses and D's, he was happy with her. In fact, it's a whole other story. But he did her homework her last two years of high school. And, um, and, um, but, uh, I'll talk about her someday in in the future and how, how God used my dad to really encourage her. But fathers, it's not your job to discourage your kid. Okay. Ephesians 6, 4, and I'll close with this. And you fathers do not provoke your children to wrath. Don't frustrate them and provoke them to anger, but instead... Bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. So it's the father's job to bring their children up in the discipline and instruction in the Lord. And this is what pleases the Lord. So you either homeschool them. You could delegate that authority. It's the parent's authority to educate the children. You can delegate it through homeschooling. Delegate it to your missus. If she can't do it, you could delegate it to other godly relatives. Maybe they'll step in. Maybe you'll have a friend. Maybe you got a friend named Victoria who's got more teaching experience than anybody else I know, and she can come in and help you out with it. Um, but if you can't do that, then it's like, well, maybe I need to work overtime or get a second mortgage on the house, put my kid in a Christian school. Don't assume every Christian school is really Christian, by the way. I know a lot of kids who went to Christian colleges and lost their faith. They were radicalized by a quote-unquote evangelical Christian college. And, uh, but homeschool, Christian school, I, I would not, I would go to board meetings of the school board meetings for the public school because you have a right to because your, tax, your taxes pay for them, even if you don't have any kids going there. So you've got the right, no taxation without representation. You've got the right to show up and complain. But I wouldn't put my kid, there. it's like I wouldn't, you know, if, uh, if they're a band of thieves, I'm not going to say, hey, could you guys watch my kid? Okay? And, um, um, and praise God that there's some Christians, secret agent Christians in the public schools. But pray for them. It's, it's, it's very difficult for them to do what they're doing. But I'll just say that in closing. If you're trusting in Jesus for salvation, you're a new man or a new woman. But God didn't create us in isolation. 
And even after he redeems us, we're not isolated from others. God wants to see not only the new man, a new man or new woman dedicated to Christ. He wants to see new families dedicated to Christ. And next week we're going to talk about work relationships. Okay? And um, you're really not working for your boss. You're working for King Jesus. So even when the boss is not looking over your shoulder, you better be doing your job and serving the king. And bosses, you better treat your workers well. Because you got a boss. And his name is Jesus. And he's watching. So let's have a new man, a new woman, a new family, new new relationships. This is what made America a new culture. And now we're throwing it all away. But let God be true and every man a liar. Let's close with a word of prayer. Father, in Jesus' precious name, Lord, we thank you for your word. And we thank you that you, you care not, not just to save us, and to tell us the good news of salvation through your son Jesus. But you tell us how to live our lives. What we should think. What we should say. What we should do. And so Lord, help us to put to death our sinful desires through your power. And for your glory. Help us to put on the new man. And to put on the new woman. Help us to be pleasing in your sight through the power of the Holy Spirit and for your glory. Help us to have a new family, that our families would be new creations in Christ, not just us as individuals. And help us in our work relationships as well and help our culture. And Lord, as our culture turns more and more on us and tells us, no, to be a good person, you have to be anti-Christian. And to have a good family... It has to be an anti-Christian family. Lord, I just pray that we do not fall for fake news. That we would embrace, embrace the good news. Salvation through Jesus. And transformation through the work of the Lord Jesus in our lives. In our homes. And at our workplaces. And may this all be done for your glory. May we seek to build your kingdom, not our own live for Jesus, not ourselves, and live to bring you glory rather than bring glory to ourselves. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen.